Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke's Gospel and chapter 12. Luke in chapter 12. And I want to read from verse 13 to verse 21. Luke chapter 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Amen, and God will bless and share his precious word to our hearts today. <coughs> On Wednesday night we were looking at uh, Matthew chapter 20, one of the parables, and it just got me kind of excited about the parables of Jesus again. It was interesting to look at Matthew 20, the parable of the workers who got a full day's wage, who only worked an hour. And it's very interesting how you unpack that and see what the Lord is trying to say to us. And what you actually find in the scriptures, very often these parables, they come out of some kind of difficulty with religious leaders or some kind of domestic dispute. And what we find here in this particular parable, Luke chapter 12, that this arises from a domestic dispute that we have. If you look at chapter 12 and verse 13, you'll find the dispute that brings out this parable in verse 13 of chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now coming out of that domestic crisis, a brother seeking to get inheritance from his brother, it's a bit like uh, the prodigal son, you've got the son asking the father for inheritance, or for his share of the inheritance. In this particular case, it's a brother asking a brother for his share in the inheritance. I think I would rather ask a father than ask a brother, mind you, to get what I'm supposed to get along the way. But this is the story of here. And it's coming out of that that Jesus says, guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus is not condemning the brother for seeking to get what is rightly his. He's not condemning that at all. But I think what Jesus is trying to say to this brother, to this man, maybe others around in the crowd is that when you get your share of the inheritance, don't think that's the end of your problems. 
Business and financial success has a habit of taking us places where we might not want to go. It blurs a distinction between when enough is enough. Maybe I told you the story before about the teacher who said to the wee boy in the class, could you give me the definition of the distinction between plenty and enough? He says, well, when my mother cuts me a piece of cake, that's plenty. But when I cut a piece of cake for myself, that's enough. (laughs) And so Jesus tells this story of the rich farmer. He was a roaring success. And if this farmer had been living today, he would get an article in the Farmer's Weekly. He would be on the farming program on the wireless that you never hear. It's right about six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he might even get a slot on Country File. But remember, farming in Jesus' day could be a hit or a miss regarding the kind of weather that they have there. But this farmer produces a good crop. Don't knock him. Don't knock him. It's been a good harvest. And Jesus was never against success. In fact, he told that other parable of the sower. And he spoke about the seed in the good ground that yielded thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Jesus is not against a good success. In fact, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12, he goes on to tell us that the farmer was so successful, he didn't have room to store his grain and his goods. And so he pulls down his barns to build greater capacity. Now up until that point, you can't fault this successful farmer. It's the kind of thing that you would do if you were successful and you didn't have enough room and, and capacity for things. You would pull down and you would build greater to make some kind of provision for the future. And in a sense we wish that people were a bit more like this farmer. Those who actually think about the future. Those who might have some something spare to put away what we used to call a rainy day. Well, there's plenty of rainy days that we've had last month, haven't we? Put something away for a rainy day. And there are folks who don't make any provision for the future. But this farmer's not like that. No one could condemn him for making such provision for the lean years that might be ahead. That's the story of Joseph, isn't it? There's going to be seven lean years, but in the seven good years, you better put some stock away, put grain away for the seven lean years that are going to be coming up. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Jesus is not condemning that. But you will realize that Jesus is not out to knock success, a success story, but he wants to expose a rich man who's also called a fool. Jesus is not out to condemn someone who has a good crop and has become wealthy because of that and stored it in greater bands. He's out to expose a rich man, a rich farmer, who's also called a fool. You see, folks, there are two accounts about your life and mine. And there's two accounts about this man's life in the story of the rich farmer. You'll find account number one in verse 18. It's just found in two words, really. And the the words are, he said. That's account number one. If you jump to verse 20, you'll find account number two. But God said... 
And there's two volumes about everybody's life. About what I say about myself is volume one. But volume two is what God says about me. And I have to tell you, they don't match. They often don't match. What God says about you. What you say about yourself. What God says about you. And often they don't correspond. But the first problem with this rich farmer then. Why is he called a fool? The first problem was his reckoning was all wrong. He did not bring God into his calculations whatsoever. We find that this man in his, his past prosperity or his future plans does not even think about God. God didn't come into it. He had reckoned on everything but God. And the world today will say to you, leave that guy alone because you see, God is for failures, not successful people. Have you ever heard that said? That, that God is only for those who need a crutch. God is for failures. But there's something you need to remember here. That you may conveniently leave God out of your calculations. But God will never leave you out of his. I find that thrilling. That God has his day of reckoning with each one of our lives. You may leave him out of your calculations. But he will never leave you out of his. And the truth is, success or not, God must have his opportunity with the soul. The creator must be given the opportunity to evaluate his creation. And we can't afford to leave God out of our calculations. If he's got something to say, we better hear it. And the trouble is, sometimes we only, only listen to volume one. What we say about ourselves. And we don't listen to volume 2, what God has to say about us. So here's a man who got his reckoning all wrong. He just left God out of his calculations. And secondly, he was a man who got his perspective entirely false. The man talked flippantly about days and about months and about years. And he carefully prepared for them. But when eternity burst upon his life, it took his breath away. He had not a thought about eternity, eternal life, about life after death. He had given no thought to its demands. He was lamentably unprepared for it. You see, time for him was of greater importance than eternity. And the great tragedy of this story is his clock was slow. His clock was slow. While he was babbling on about many years, his hour had struck. And that's one of the great differences between your account of yourself and God's account of your life, you think about time, God thinks about eternity. God thinks about eternity. And that's the plight of our nation today. We think of the three score years and ten, and God thinks about the three score years and then. What's going to happen then as we grow and as we get older? 
We have a nation today that has left God out of its reckoning. Have you noticed that? A nation today that has left God out of its reckoning. And a nation that leaves God out cannot evade God's judgment. It cannot evade God's judgment. Let me say this. God is as concerned about time as you are. About this life as you are. But he sees it as a preparation for eternity. He sees time as a preparation for this eternity. And there's another hour in our life, not the, just the hour when God takes us out of the scene of time to confront himself. There's another hour in a person's life. You know what it's called? It's called the hour of decision. It's called the hour of decision. And it's foolish to put off for another day what God means you to have right now. That's foolishness. So he was a rich farmer then whose perspective was entirely false. He thought about time. God was thinking about eternity. And then thirdly, here's a man whose piety was hollow. His piety was hollow. The man began to talk to himself. I had a boss like that in the grocery department. And I once said to him, I says, Jimmy, I says, why do you talk to yourself? He says, well, I'm the only sensible person I can see around. <laughs> That's why I talk to myself. But in the older versions of the Bible, it doesn't say that the man talked to himself. It, it says in the older versions of the Bible, he spoke to his soul. He spoke to me so, you've got plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. And somewhere else in the Bible it says, for tomorrow we die. Eat, drink and be merry. But that kind of talk will never feed a spiritually starving soul, a soul that needs gaunt. It's no use speaking to a spiritually hungry soul about grain and about fruit and about barns. If you're going to talk to your life or talk to your soul, tell the soul the things it needs to hear. Talk to the soul about sin. Talk to the soul about grace. Talk to the soul about the forgiveness of Christ upon the cross. Talk to the soul about the things the soul needs to hear. And there is forgiveness with God. There's a cross, there's eternity, there's mercy, but there's also judgment. Now this rich farmer was in any way pious or religious. It was hollow. There was nothing in it. And the truth is that so many in the world today have a religious affiliation that's like that. It's hollow. There's nothing in it. They will not commit their lives and trust their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a stupid illustration. But suppose you believe that a chair can actually hold you and yet you stand up for the rest of your life. That seems crazy. The people who really believe that a chair can hold you actually come round to sitting on it. And there are people like that in the world today who just will not believe in Jesus in such a way that they commit their lives to him as Saviour and Lord. Many of you have heard, I'm sure, of the collapse of the old Tay Bridge. 
It happened in the winter on the 28th of December 1879. All because one girder was blistered, it looked solid, but it was really hollow. And when the storm came and the wind blew and beat upon that girder, it yielded. And the bridge collapsed and the train went into the River Tay with a terrible loss of life. You see, there's a doom that comes sooner or later upon everything that's hollow. There's a doom that comes sooner or later on everything that's hollow. And here in this story the man chatted to himself about all the goods laid by for many years. But the same man hears another voice. You'll see it there in verse 20. That God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus is making it very plain here that this rich farmer, for all his success, he went into a lost eternity, empty, hollow. There's something final here about God's voice. There's no second chance. The farmer just couldn't take it with him. I've never seen a hearse with a whole load of stuff being carried, being dragged with it. I read a funny story just the other day there about this older man and he was dying and he got his wife, he said to his wife, well he says, dear, I've put a lot of money under the mattress. He says, but when I die, all I want you to do is take the money from the mattress and just put it in my coffin. Well, I think she kind of nodded her approval. <laughs> but when he actually died... She thought a wee bit more about it. So she took the money and she wrote him a cheque and put the cheque. <laughs> but here's somebody who had the opportunity to share what he had accumulated. He could have eased the plight of many who must have been struggling. No, everybody would be as successful as he was. He could have given something of that to other people who were not successful. Sharing his resources didn't actually feature in his religion. You know this? God never calls a person a fool without revealing something of himself. He'll never call you a fool until he's revealed something of himself and he does that every day because you see in Romans chapter 1 there are those unlike the Jews who had no Old Testament how in the world were they going to understand anything about the revelation of God and Paul says they have God's creation and within that creation itself there's a revelation of God right there if you've got eyes to see it I think of this farmer in this story as he looks at the rain coming to nourish the crops as he looks at the sun coming out to help them to grow as he looks around at the, the scenery of the farm with all his success but nothing spoke to him about God nothing spoke to him about God he was so full of his own success it was all about what he was going to do he was so taken up with himself that he missed the glory yet to be revealed there was a man by the name of Barney Barnato that's quite a name isn't it Barney Barnato you know what he did he bought up all the used 
exploited mines in South Africa. The diamond mines. All the ones that had been exhausted. And he brought them all up. And he said to the men who had worked these mines, I want you to work again, but this time I want you to dig deeper. And he kept crying out to these men, dig deeper, dig deeper. And they found the most precious diamonds that they had ever found before. They went past the areas that they had exploited and that they had used and exhausted and they found the greatest treasures yet that they'd ever found before. And you see folks, I believe and as we talk about prosperity and a soul starved and lost through sin, there's a cry that comes from the throne of God. I want you to dig deeper. Because there's treasures for you that you have yet to mine there. There's something deeper than this shallow, superficial thing that we see in the world today. And perhaps it's in your life for this moment in time. It's become so shallow. And God says, I've got treasures for you. The unsearchable riches of Christ. But you'll have to dig deeper than this shallow thing that you've got at this moment in time. And that soul you've been talking to about prosperity, that soul that starved and lost through sin, I plead with you, let God save it. Let God show you the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and, and do its work in your heart. So what I'm asking you this morning is, has your life been like this rich man in the parable? Have you got your reckoning all wrong? Have you failed to bring God into your calculations? Have you been like this rich farmer whose perspective was entirely false? He thought about time. He thought about days and months and years. And God was thinking about eternity and said to this man, Your hour has come. Then whose will these things be? Have you been like this man whose piety was all hollow? Perhaps you're a Christian. And what you've got just now is just so shallow, it's so superficial. And the cry is coming from heaven's door. There's nothing in what you've got just now. I want you to dig deeper to the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's a need for a deeper work. That's where the treasures lie. Look at the last verse of that parable in verse 21. This is how it will be, says Jesus, with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. God wants you to be rich in the things of God. There are two volumes, about your life and about mine. It's found in verse 18. He said, he spoke to himself, he said this about himself. And in verse 20 it says, But God said. The trouble is when we only listen to volume 1, what we say about ourselves. And we don't listen to volume 2, what God said about us. Sometimes they don't match. I'm a fool only to read the first volume and not the second. Somebody has put it this way. We are fools when we don't give God the credit for the things he has done. We are fools when we make plans but leave God out. We are fools when we live only for the moment. We are fools when we store our treasure in the wrong places. We are fools when we find ourselves in conflict with God's plan for our lives. 
and growing and maturing in your faith. Sometimes we have to begin again. Balancing the things of time with the things of eternity. It's a difficult thing at times. We've got to adjust ourselves to cope with the materialistic age. Today is a great day to begin again. Maybe the bulk of your life has been barns building. And God says from now on it's to be kingdom building. Building up the kingdom of God. Not building up those materialistic barns. For a day in the, in the future that may not come. You're going to have to let loose of these things someday. Why not turn it all over to God? Let him begin to guide you. That you can begin to see the fruit of your labour. Before you have to say goodbye to this world. As that man said to his workers in South Africa. You'll need to dig deeper. Dig deeper. And they found Diamonds. That they never knew existed. They thought it had been exhausted. It was finished. But this man knew. If you dig a bit deeper. You'll find even greater treasure. And maybe that's the word for your heart today. As a Christian. What's been going on just now. Has been just so superficial. It's been so shallow. And God said I want you to dig deeper. And perhaps you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. And the Lord is saying to you, you're a fool. Because I've given you so many things to enjoy. But you've left me out of the calculations. You've been thinking about time and I've been thinking about eternity. Now is the accepted time. Don't leave for some other time what I want you to have right now. Let's pray. Let's just take a few minutes before the Lord today. And if you've never given your life to Christ, now is the time to do it. There might be a day coming, who knows when, when God says to us, your hour has come. Who shall these things be? And you need to say, Lord, I thank you for revealing the cross to me. The love and the forgiveness of the cross. The peace that comes. And I ask you to come into my life and cleanse me afresh. From all sin. Be my saviour. Be my Lord. I accept you into my heart. Will you do that? As we have this moment of silence and prayer. Open up your heart to Jesus. And let him in. This is the hour of decision. In preparation for eternity. Give him your heart right now. And if you are a Christian. Perhaps it's been a, a superficial and shallow experience. Up until now, till now. And God says to you. I want you to dig deeper. Into the unsearchable riches of Christ. And realize there's yet more. Treasures. That you can mine. Will you say, Lord, make my experience of you deeper than it has been before. Take me deeper into you, Lord, that I might learn afresh what your word is teaching me, what your people are sharing with me, and what you mean to me. Make it a deeper experience. Help me to invest my treasures in the right place. 
in heaven itself. Just take a moment or two to say, Lord, take me deeper into you. Lord, I want to thank you for your word to us today. And your word to my heart as well. There's that volume that I could write about myself. And perhaps it wouldn't be worth reading very much. And perhaps there would be things there that would give me cause for pride. But there's that second volume about what you say about me and about each of us. And oftentimes they don't match. Help me to listen to the things that you're saying about me, about us. And we give you the praise, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.